Sean Chase, and today I'm joined by Christian Boer and Megan Youngblood. This weekend, the college football championship games took place, but before we get into that, we're going to start with Youngblood's hockey corner because the Red Wings are rolling. Megan, what's happening in the hockey world? The Red Wings are rolling. They're on fire lately, and uh, they've won the past, I want to say, like six to eight games off the top of my head, I think, and it's all thanks to our rookies. They are just coming out and scoring goals, putting out, putting plays out there. And I think it's amazing to see because no one expected this from the Red Wings. Like They expect them to be mediocre, I think, but I think we're definitely proving them wrong. And even uh, Larkin said that at one of his post-game interviews that, you know, we keep doing good and we're shocking everybody and we just keep we want to keep doing that and keep producing and uh, blowing everyone's minds with what we're doing. No, I completely agree because I was one of those people who said – this is not going to be a good season. It doesn't have the feel of what I grew up with with the Red Wings where, like, yo, we're just dominating. I was wrong, obviously. It's going to be a week if Sean was wrong once again, but I was wrong. Christian, how do you feel the Red Wings have performed this season? Man, they're on fire. I mean, come on now, Lucas Raymond. It, it, literally, they're all, the only big question we have with the Red Wings right now is which rookie is going to win Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. I think it's most cider right now, man, because he's getting it done. Um, had his, what, second overtime game winner um, against the Islanders. He's sweet. They're, they're both sweet. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm real excited about it. I think they might be the closest to winning a championship. Are they going to make the playoffs this year, Megan, or do you think they're still a year or two out? Um, I think they still might be a year or two out. I think we'll be as close as we have been in years, like maybe right on the edge. And if we are in, I think it would definitely be the wild card spot, which, I mean, hey, if we're in it, we're in it. I don't care where it is. Just, like, to have we that hope. surprise people. Yeah, have that hope again will just be amazing and to be back in the playoffs. But I think it'll be a uh, – I want to say a year or two away. but We're on the cusp. That's all yeah. I really care about. That's I love hockey, but I don't follow it the way mm-hmm. that I should. So I always go to Megan, <laughs> like, yo, where where should my bets go? Should I be betting on the playoffs or not? Yeah, it's it's hard to tell. Like even I'm like on and off with it because like we're playing good, but usually about halfway through the season we start getting a little little crappy. I mean, so does every team because we're approaching about the halfway of the season and things are starting to go to crap for a couple of teams. Like a lot of teams have fired their coaches already, and that's I have seen that. That's scary, but didn't Montreal just get rid of their coach? Yeah, Montreal did. The Flyers did. Um I want to say that so did the Canucks. But, I mean, some teams fire their coach at the half point of the year and they go back and win a Stanley Cup championship. The Penguins were able to do it in, I think, 2016. They fired their head coach, like, December 31st. And they were like, yeah, we're going to lose the rest of the season. And they came back and they ended up winning. So it gives hope to a lot of teams. But it's just a scary thing to think of losing your coach halfway through the season. And the Penguins made deals with the devil that whole time on their run. So I'm... I don't believe anything that they've done is a real thing can happen to my team, to be real with you. But I do agree that I think the Red Wings are very close. I don't know how close yet, but we will see as the stretch run comes. Now it's time for the moment we've all been waiting for. Michigan versus Iowa for the Big Ten Championship, and it wasn't even close. All I don't know if you who predicted it to be this way, but I feel like none of us were thinking it would be a 39-point blowout, Christian. Yeah, I really didn't. Um, but I will say that the second half of the game was kind of a blur because they were just scoring on every drive, and then Iowa was punting, and it was really just glorious the way everything went about. Um, 
Shout out to Donovan Edwards. Dude's got a rocket of an arm. Absolute beast. And, um, yeah, I mean, not next up is Georgia, and we're going to run hog wild through the SEC. So um, get ready, America, because here come the Wolverines. See, and that takes me to one of my bigger points. Michigan is a seven-and-a-half-point underdog against Georgia, who just lost 41-24 to against Alabama in the SEC championship. Because of this, Alabama is now the number one seed. People are saying it was because they didn't want to match Georgia and Alabama against each other right away in the college football playoff. I do believe Michigan deserves the number one seed, especially you go out against Iowa, a team that I was afraid of, well, we just beat Ohio State. This is a letdown game, so to speak. We didn't let down for nothing. It could be a portion of the reason why I think we blew them out was because of the Oxford High School thing and how much teams have been supporting Tate Meyer. You put TM42 on your jersey, and then you go hang 42 on Iowa. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. That gives me goosebumps. Even yeah. About, you know what I mean? Like, there was a lot of things I saw on, I think, TikTok about it. Like, the game ended at 1142. There were 11 victims. Tate's number was 42. Iowa's score is three, which is the three other victims, Hannah, Madison, and Justin. And it was just, like, so – and his family was there. Tate's family were, like, the honorary captains at the coin toss. And I was like – it just gave me chills. And it's – it's and Michigan is the same colors as Oxford. Yeah. So it's just it – gave, it gave chills. And I think I think that definitely allowed Michigan to have more momentum going into it because they, they're playing for something even more meaningful than just getting to that championship or – getting the Big Ten or whatever, they're playing for a life that was lost and all these victims. No, I agree. And I think that that is what got them back up for this game because we can say whatever we want. After Michigan beat Ohio State, Michigan fans had felt like we had reached the pinnacle. Like, you know, we don't need a championship. I don't care if it's a Big Ten. I don't care if it's a natty. We finally knocked off Ohio State. Now we got to go and face Georgia in the Capital One Orange Bowl, like I said earlier, seven and a half point dogs. I'm betting that line right now. We're barking. I'm taking Michigan in the points, and I'm not afraid of it because nope. I go. think we can put points up. Go money, go money line. Well, uh, he talked Lock me into it. it. I am money lining. I don't care about Lock the points. Okay. Shout out Stu Finer. Shout out Stu Finer. Oh my god, I never thought that man would get it, get love on this show, but I'm very glad he did. Cincinnati held on against Houston in the AAC championship. Something we thought was going to happen. Baylor upset Oklahoma State and rattled the college football playoff. The ending of that game was nuts. The one being one yard short, not even a yard, like maybe a half yard. That was totally crazy. It gave me flashbacks to the Rams when I was a kid. Pittsburgh beat Wake Forest. I predicted that upset, and I was wrong. Pittsburgh looked dominant in the ACC championship. Kenny Pickett broke the game of football with his fake slide. That is the craziest thing I've ever seen, and I'm so glad you mentioned it. That was crazy. I don't know how the man even thought to do that. I mean, that's probably something he's worked out for a minute. I don't know how we, like, did it anyways, like how we managed to fake it and then keep going. Like, I would have... That's athleticism. That's something I'll never be... I was about to say, God did not put that in the cup when he made me. I have trouble getting out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was very impressed with that fake slide, but I also... I didn't give Kenny Pickett enough love going into the game. I don't think he is a baller, at least at the college level. He may not perform in the pros like Johnny Manziel, but he's flashy. Utah State destroyed San Diego State, another one I got wrong. I don't know how the hell I got it wrong, but it was way wrong. Then the Sun Belt, Louisiana beat Appalachian State 24-16. And that brought us to 
the announcement of the bowl games. Just a couple quick hits on the Friday, December 17th. Toledo will play Middle Tennessee in the Bahamas Bowl. NIU's got Coastal Carolina in the Tail Greeter Cure Bowl. And Eastern's playing Liberty. On the 21st of December, Kent State's going against Wyoming in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. That's not the bowl I was I would want to be at. One I'm mentioning just for myself, December 22nd, Missouri versus Army. Army's going to murder Missouri. I don't care what nobody thinks. Like We're going to beat Navy this coming weekend, and then we're going to beat Missouri, and I'm going to go buy me some Army swag. I'll save that. <laughs> Miami of Ohio plays North Texas on the 23rd. Western plays Nevada in the Quick Lane Bowl on the 27th. What do you think is going to happen over there, Christian? I think Western wins that. I think that they've spent the whole year trying to find their flow and the these random bowl games all the time you see some team just go off and you're like oh that's what they should have been yeah no that's actually a great point because when i saw western versus nevada i was like western is trash i mean i was in kalamazoo i seen them play live wasn't very good i'm hoping that western takes it out just because i want the mac to win all of the bowl games we're in i would like to see a clean sweep from the mac that's a little bit of bias on my part Next, on the 30th, is Michigan State versus Pittsburgh in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. I don't know what's going to happen here. I think Michigan State's going to get destroyed. Truly. The secondary's awful. Kenny Pickett can throw for 500 yards against these guys. And I'm going to love every second of it. You don't think Kenneth Walker will have anything to say against that? Mm Mm-mm. I think Noel Pat Narduzzi, former Michigan State defensive coordinator, by the way, will uh, lock him down, and it's going to be glorious. And those Michigan State people are going to be crying in their cereal, what, four weeks after they beat Michigan by four points? Yeah, take that. Took our foot off the gas. Should be 13-0, should be number one. You're not wrong, and I thought the same thing. We don't take our foot off the gas and let Michigan State back in that game. I think they're in a different position at the end of the year, and we're undefeated. I'm going to say Pittsburgh just because I don't want to go against anyone until we get to the real ones that matter to me on friday the 31st the biggest bowl of the year in central michigan we're going to the barstool sports arizona bowl to play boise state i looked at the tickets for this they're 25 dollars to get in the game the airplane ticket is 1200 dollars. so i will not be flying to arizona i don't think i will be either yeah it's expensive bro i looked at gas it's a day and it's a one day and six hours of a drive I mean, I might make that. I'm looking at how to rent a van right now. So let's just say that. <laughs> Your boy is trying to go to Arizona. But how do you think that's going to play out for us, Christian? Um, You know, I'm not as low on the outcome as a lot of people are. I think that there's some backlash. And, and you know, you could say what you want about the company, and I won't get into that. But what they're doing, the rollout that they're doing, because they do, I mean, you have to acknowledge the fact that they do have a lot of huge personalities at that company, and they're all going to be there. And, like, just for, you know, for somebody on Central Michigan or somebody on Boise State who might want to get into the podcast game or somebody who might want to get into the world of sports media, here you go. Yep. Go yeah. network. Right. Yep. You've got that, literally the legends of the game doing it. I, I I don't see how anybody can be upset with that outcome. No, I love that outcome, to be like, real. Like, you, you can say what you want about the company itself, but the opportunity that these student-athletes are getting, I don't think you can discount that at all. So regardless of what 
happens in the game. Plus, they're going to be famous for three weeks because Barstool is going to promote the hell oh, out of that game. They're already going crazy. And the hat picking, when they announced yeah. it, I was like, oh, this is lit. I'm yeah. ready for this. I mean, I scooped Dave Portnoy on that, by the way. I was the first to report that. Shout out Brett McMurphy for coming in second. I uh, did see that, and then I saw <laughs> other people popping up, and I was like, that was first. I beat, athletics that didn't retweet I beat Brett McMurphy by, like, 15 seconds. Hey, it's still it a win. Like, who cares? That's so a So the dump. same person who messaged me must have messaged him. And that's all I'll say on that. But How did it feel to be able to put sources in a tweet? You know, I, have I have never had that power. I have had a couple of situations like that where I've um, been able to break some news. And can I just tell you that the adrenaline rush I get, you know, I'm not somebody who dabbles in the use of substances but i will say there's no substance that can give me the rush that that does when i'm sitting on something and it's just nuts man um i had an idea that it was going to be either there or the one in detroit and then i received a a tip that that that's where it was got it confirmed bang bang oh that's dope i i was saying the arizona bowl the whole time Purely because, in my mind, the bowl season is about getting a ring and getting as much merch as you can. Barstool Sports is going to go dumb with the swag for the players at this game. Oh, yeah. Ain't no doubt about that. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. And, like you said, to have the personalities, I'm not going to get into the specifics of who they are or any of that, but to have the personalities behind that and the Barstool Sports currently is the biggest media company in the United States, maybe in the world. The, their reach and what they can do for these athletes, like you said. Khalil Pimpleton's already made a name for himself. Watch he's what he does when taking, they blow him yeah. up. He's going to be taken to a whole other level. I think that you just have to understand that the, the ebbs and flows were like, no, they're not perfect, but they've also got the largest platform of any of these games. I mean, right. yeah, you can go play in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl <laughs> or the Lending Tree Bowl. Or what was the one you talked about, the Cure Bowl? What was the sponsor? The Tail Greeter. The Tail Greeter Cure Bowl, yeah. (laughs) And, like, you can be on ESPN, and people will watch it, but, I mean, they are going to promote. You're going to have these people that don't even know about college sports who are, like, huge stoolies who are going to, like, be in on this game, and they're going to know who's – so – um, that's an I, angle I thought about too. Is there's gonna they're gonna get reached because it's not on ESPN. It's on Barstool. They're they're streaming it. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get people who aren't college football fans watching it. You're gonna get people who are caller daddy fans, whatever, watching this. Although I I don't think they're at Barstool anymore. They still technically are because they be they selling have the merch through they have the merch, but yeah, they are not as you say Barstool exclusive though. And that's talking caller daddy. Hey, I was all about it when the Sophia drama was happening. Your boy was tuned in. Now, let's tune into the NFL. <laughs> Thursday night, the Cowboys versus Saints. I was dead wrong. Sean Payton screwed me over, though. I said Trevor Simeon was going to take the dub. They threw in Taysom Hill. Had I known that Taysom Hill was going to start before I made that prediction, I would have never predicted it because I hate Taysom Hill. Yes, Did sir. anything shock you on Thursday at all? I didn't really watch it, to be honest with you. I just, there's two, these, these are two teams I really don't care for no i'll give you that <laughs> i um you know i'm looking at Taysom hill's stat line right now he ran for 100 yards that's neat he looks four sloppy, picks though. he looks sloppy <laughs> those four picks qbr of 28.3 oh yikes 
Although I will say Dak Prescott's on my fantasy team. Yikes. I'm sorry for that because I hate Dak. I've never drafted him and I never will. Sunday, we got the Buccaneers destroying the Falcons 30-17. to The Cardinals, we all said this was going to happen, smoked the Bears 33-22. Something I didn't see, Justin Herbert seemed to find his way against the Bengals. And they went off, beat them 41 to 22. How do you, what are your guys' takes on that game? Still can't figure them out. Don't understand. I actually watched a little bit of this game. And I, you know, one day, it, these two teams are very similar. One day they look like they're like the a force to be reckoned with in the AFC. And then the next they like just are not. And they struggle a lot. So, yeah, man. I mean, today or Sunday was the Chargers day. And uh, I'm sure that the Bengals will bounce back. Uh, Bengals got some help when uh, Baltimore went down. so That is true. And true. one team whose day it finally was. Yeah. The uh-huh. Detroit Lions finally pulled oh. one off against the Minnesota Vikings. We are now 1-10-1. We still hold the number one pick. That is the only thing I truly care about. The Jets are right in front of us with two wins. I think we will hold on and I don't think we're going to beat anyone else. Whoa. Did you guys think that this was going to happen this weekend? Not at all. I did. Guilty is charged. I just, when you look at the inactive report for Minnesota, and you see Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Patrick Peterson, Dalvin Cook, it's like, okay, this is like trying to win a race against a kid with a limp. Like, come on. <laughs> Let's you know, let's see. and and they still tried to hocus pocus it away. Like I don't understand the Lions. Like I I almost said don't understand them sometime, but I don't ever understand them. Um, I will say that um, Jared Goff having his moment was awesome. Uh, the the replay here on the ESPN stats feed, um, where he's running over to the sideline to hug Dan Campbell. Yeah, oh, they had like incredible. the father son moment of like, hey, the entire Tro- the city of Detroit is making fun of us. We finally got one. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> and then the post game video. I don't know if either of you two have seen the post game video where uh, Dan Campbell, like every other words, the f bomb out of his mouth, and mm. they just had to like. Consistently I have not seen that, it. but I need. To I didn't it's see that. It's awesome, yeah. man. Football guy, major football guy. So I saw the be- I saw um, the beginning of his interview when he dedicated the ball to the that was very cool. to the whole Oxford community, which I thought was very cool, and I think that probably also same thing with Michigan that also like played a big role because I mean. It's kind of weird that the, our first win comes after something like this, but no, I do think there was something at play here because the way it all played out, it felt like the Lions were gonna let this one get away until that last drive. The corner sits back four yards, gives St. Brown enough space to run a curl on him, and Goff hits the pass. All of a sudden, I was like, "Yo, we just won a game." I I didn't know how to even react to be real with you. Because I didn't think it was going to happen. But it just felt like, why was that corner so far back? Things were, it was the Lions day all around. And I don't think anybody thought I was going to ever say this, but thank God we won. Because it made me so happy. I'm a Lions fan until I die. The next game on the docket, the Dolphins ended up getting by the Giants. Expected that. The Giants looked like a dumpster fire. That's what they're going to be all season, in my opinion. The Eagles figured out a way to get by the Jets, and they did it in a big fashion, 33-18. Colts sweat, or shut out the Texans. If you thought that was going to go any other way, you're a crazy person. 
The football team ended up eking out the Raiders. That one shocked me a little bit. As we've said earlier, I th- I feel like the Raiders are a team of destiny with everything they've survived already this season. The football team just got over on them. That's the way football goes, though. You're not going to win every game, especially when you lost someone as talented as Gruden for that offense. I People can say whatever they want about that man as a person. As a football mind, Gruden is one of the best there is. And then another player who used to be in Detroit, who's no longer in Detroit, Matthew Stafford, he picked up a win against the Jaguars. Are any of you surprised that that happened? No. Nope. The Jaguars do not look like a team who has any idea what's going on when they step on the field. It's because their head coach is a dingbat. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly where I was headed. I was about to put it all on Urban Meyer. He's too focused on going to clubs and hollering at women to get his team together, and that's what I'm going to always feel like. Mitch's team somehow pulled out a win against the Ravens. It was so close. It perfectly turned out. I don't know what game I was watching, but it switched over to the Steelers-Ravens at the end, and I was like, oh, Mitch, you need this win. Now people are on the Greeny show on ESPN are saying the Steelers are back. Yeah, Big Ben is back. They're out of their mind. That let's is not chill. real. But I, one thing I will say is that Lamar Jackson's inaccuracy won the Steelers the game because he had, I think it was, oh, I forget the name of their tight end, had him wide. Mark open. Andrews? Yeah. Yep. He's missed him a couple times this year where it doesn't make sense how he's missed those throws. But that's, that is what is going to hurt Lamar Jackson, I think, the most, is that he his inaccuracies when he needs it. You can't just run around all day and scramble and get make things happen. There are points where your arm has got to be your most dangerous weapon or you're not going to win the game. And I feel like that is what the Ravens are suffering from right now. Seahawks got by the Niners. I didn't think it was going to happen. Russell Wilson is a magician. I do think, as you said a couple weeks ago, Christian, that he is going to leave Seattle. It just feels like they're getting ready to part ways. Uh-huh. How do you think that that franchise is going to be able to respond? Do you think they go quarterback in the first few rounds or they're looking for somebody on the tra- or free agency? I think they're going to try and get something back because I think if they trade him to Green Bay, they could make a push for Jordan Love. And if they trade him to – or even Aaron Rodgers in that case, although I don't know that he would want to go out there. Um, then obviously, if it's Cleveland, maybe Baker Mayfield. Um, I mean, the draft is always a possibility. I just don't think that this draft class is – necessarily super spectacular no I completely agree quarterback wise there's nobody in this draft that I'm like oh you got to go get them in the first round there's no franchise changing quarterbacks in my opinion and that scares me the Broncos and the Chiefs Chiefs finally found their way Monday night football's tonight because we're recording on Monday probably didn't need to say it like that but New England and Buffalo play tonight New England sits at first in the AFC East I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to say Mac Jones for the dub, point blank period. I don't see anybody beating them. Belichick's got them rolling. From a team that is on fire to a league that is on fire. Major League Baseball has decided to lock out Christian and Megan. What are your guys' thoughts on baseball's first halt in 26 years? This is a train wreck. They pulled all the pictures off of the website, like... It's a mess, man. I'm I'm out and think it'll last into spring training, but I'm kind of worried that it might be. 
Um, so I guess we'll see, and it, and it really hurts both sides because, you know, the players want to get paid more, and I know the league wants to pay, like, the minor leaguers more, and it's just a mess, and I really don't know how it's going to get resolved. No, I don't see a resolution coming anytime before spring training. They're so far apart right now. They were ready to lock out four or five hours before the deadline even happened. Yeah. It was going to happen. Now my biggest question comes to what is going to bring them back together? Great. That's a great point. Yeah. Because it's not going to be the talks. They're going to have to pay the, I think, in my opinion, minor league players need to get more money. What they're making is pennies compared to what the major league players are making. There's dudes living in Grand Rapids playing for the Whitecaps. They have, like, host families. Yep, and they got to have second jobs in the back end of the season. Like, yeah, I forget that. That's not how baseball should be treating its farm system if we are or if they are the best league in sports. I don't think they are. I think the NFL holds that. Do you think there's anything? That, is it going to be player concessions or is it going to be owner concessions that bring them back to the table. I think that the sport of baseball has a problem. I think it has a promotional problem, and I think that that's going to be one of the things that can lead into solving this is maybe we don't play, maybe we don't pay the players as much, but maybe, you know, maybe if that allows for the players to maybe do uh, more promotional content or use other ways to make money because what happens is, is they don't promote the minor leagues hardly at all. And these minor leaguers are making the equivalent of selling a Big Mac on the street every two weeks. Like, I think that the biggest problem is is that these guys, like, they just want to be compensated for what they feel like they're worth. And what's going to end up happening and what's going to be the ultimate death of the minor leagues is that when college baseball, and if college baseball was, like, televised or shown any attention for any time other than the NCAA tournament, I think this yeah. wouldn't be an issue. The problem is is that they don't like once college baseball figures out the NIL game and dudes start getting paid, there's gonna be no point in going pro after high school. Just I never go, thought of that. Go play college ball for four years and then get drafted and start at double A because by that point you're twenty two and you're old enough and you're ready. So to me, I just don't I don't know where this is going. I think that it's this problem goes to the whole sport of baseball and whew, I mean we'll see, but I can't imagine this thing being resolved by like the start of 2022. No way. No, I think it'll. I think it'll take a while because there's like Christian said, it's the whole sport of baseball that is having its issues and just yeah. I think it's gonna be a while. I think it might go into spring training just a little bit. Yeah. But I don't think it'll go further than that. I mean, but let's think about like there could be some serious rule changes here, and that's what I'm worried about because I'm a baseball fan. I think the game's fine. Yeah, I don't see yeah. a problem with it. But Rob Manfred is so set in his ways on like making games like two hours long and like cutting down and like pace of play and like he essentially wants to make baseball like a video game where it's like everything's yep. automated and yet I I just don't like it. I think that part of baseball is the human element and the the element of human error and that means that you know AJ Hinch has got to get pissed and kick some bases around and scream and yell once a month. I think that's awesome. I think that's sweet, but maybe I'm just old school. I mean, I'm I am as old school as it gets. It feels like at this place, and I agree with you completely. I did not think about the NIL aspect of this. That could flip everything on its head. If they start losing the people who are 
Because, yeah, they do have a pull. If you get drafted as a freshman or sophomore, you're like, yo, I got to go play in the major leagues. I'm going to make WAP. If you're making a couple million, look at what Paige Bookers is making at UConn. Yeah. She just got signed with StockX, Gatorade. Shawty's getting paid. Mm-hmm. Baseball players can get that same money. I think that we could see the power that these owners have because they're so afraid to open their books because once they open the books and they, the players see how much money baseball truly makes, because the game cannot be dead if all of this lockout talk is one of the biggest topics on ESPN every day. Baseball is back. From the lockout to being let out the cage. Are the Chicago Bulls for real or are they all cap? The Bulls are as real as it gets in my opinion. But the biggest point I have about the NBA, because it's time for me to talk about basketball. I've been watching the NBA a little bit. Pistons are the same team. As we have, I have continuously told you, they got to find their way shooting. Jeremy Grant continues to impress. Killian Hayes continues to impress. The Chicago Bulls are a team that I think is going to make a big run in the playoffs this year. Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine have come into their own. They've begun to work together in a way that I never thought was possible. I knew Zach Levine could ball. There was no doubt about it. He was able to hold up those Chicago teams solely on his own. Now that he's got Caruso next to him, He's got big men in the paint. I feel like the Bulls are going to be a 2 or 3 C going into the playoffs, and I feel like they could come out of it for the East. Listen, man, Lonzo Ball might be God himself. Face. Like, awesome. And I think his little brother, Lamelo is... The truth. I hated him. God, Lamelo is. <laughs> Please don't strike us down. Do not send Hellfire to us. I'm all right with that. They are very good right now, and they don't even have Clay Thompson. Mr. Uh, Mr. Poole is having himself a year. And Clay Thompson's going to go stupid when he comes Uh back. I guarantee you that. That man sat for two and a half hours in the arena after they won a game. I think Golden State wins it all. I'm not going to say that. I'm all right with that. They are very good right now, and they don't even have Clay Thompson. All about it. And that. And Clay Thompson's going to go stupid when he comes back. I can guarantee you that. And now it's time for question of the day. So after Michigan beat Iowa, most people said this is the best Michigan team that they've seen in their lives. What is your favorite team that you've seen, whether it be the Wolverines, the Spartans, the Pistons, the Tigers, the Wings, the Lions? Which team stands out to you the most from your lifetime? Um. So I'm I'm – Playing the nostalgia card here, and I'm going with the 2012-2013 Michigan men's basketball team. Um, they played for the national title. They had Trey Burke, uh, Tim Hardaway, Nick Stauskas. Um, they just had a lot of dudes on that team that I really liked. Um, I remember being 11 and just being so deflated when they lost. Um, my dad let me stay up for... The um, although I didn't really have a bedtime because I was in like sixth grade, um, I was able to. I just kind of was an early sleeper back in those days, but I stayed up for those games and um, I, I, I was so little like I was I was eleven, but I was mentally like four, and I like I my dad bought me their team warm up shirt and their shorts, and I had my um, I put on my outfit and I sat on the couch like I was on the bench. For the game, That's pretty cool. I was excited about it. Um, but no, nah, man, that, that that was my favorite team of all time. I think that you know the the twenty, I think it was twenty seventeen eighteen team. 
that made it to the um, final or to the championship game and got smacked by Villanova. I think that would that's a close second because I was a little bit more mature and like understood the dynamics and I had watched those guys grow like Rockman and Duncan Robinson and Mo Wagner and like those guys were awesome. But like I'm gonna play the the 2012 2013 team for this because um, being a kid and those dudes were like God and uh, it was awesome. Okay, I think I have to go with the uh, Red Wings 2008 uh, Cup. Stanley Cup champion. That team was just elite. Like they have Justin Abdicator, Dodsuk, Draper, Philpula, Franzen. You have Darren Hound. Just like old school players that like made the Red Wings who they are. And it's just, I was let's see, it was two thousand eight. I was six. That's maybe. Okay, <laughs> I was six, so I was still very young. But I think this team kind of like really is what got me into hockey more so because I mean you see your hometown team go to the cup and as a six-year-old you're like ecstatic and in my family hockey was always on the tv but I was just kind of mindlessly watching but I understood that was the first time I understood the importance of what the Stanley Cup was and it just seeing that happen and seeing the city go absolutely insane was one of the coolest things and I'll never forget that and I mean growing up Nicholas Lichtman was my favorite player and it was because of this series that he started becoming a favorite player I just loved the way that he played and the way he presented himself I just I loved that man when I was a kid so I have to go with that no I cannot argue with that and I loved the Red Wings at that time Christian's pick on the Michigan basketball team that made one of the greatest runs in my lifetime hard to argue that the team for me is going to be the 2011 Detroit Lions I had just got back from Afghanistan, landed in El Paso, got to catch a little bit of the back end of the season. Yes, we lost to the Saints in the wild card round, but I don't care. That's the first time in a long time as a Lions fan I had felt like we had hope. We had a chance to beat a team. The Saints smacked us in the mouth. I had to take that. But we also had Sean Hill, Javid Best, Kevin Smith, Matt Stafford, Nate Burleson, who, fun fact, broke his arm trying to catch a little Caesars pizza. Titus Young, Tony Scheffler, like we were in a place with this team that and we had the the greatest villain in Detroit history, Nadama Kongsu. And with that, I I felt like we could beat anybody. He was stomping on people, he was going dumb, but he was so dominant in the early stages of his career. He was what everybody thought he was gonna be what Aaron Donald is now. And that's been another episode of Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Thank you for listening.